Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Um, today we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, not a lot of it is um, necessarily fun, but all of it is very important uh, to talk about. Um, so first things first, uh, we have not uploaded a podcast in probably close to a month, uh, maybe even a little more than that. Chase and I recorded a podcast I want to say three weeks ago, um, and it was about the NHL's return to play. We looked at the all the matchups. We gave what we thought. Uh, we also did the top five teams we wanted to take over, I believe. And um, when we recorded that, I believe it was the same day uh, George Floyd was murdered um, by a cop. And uh, we don't edit our podcast usually for two or three days. So when I finally got around to editing it, um, Chase and I discussed it and we decided we'd either sit on the podcast for a day or two or just not release at all, um, given how the shape of things rightfully were. Um, so we we discussed maybe doing a five or ten minute segment about everything beforehand and just putting it into the podcast. But honestly, we felt like it wasn't the right time to upload anything and we wanted to um, sit back and learn and, and try and find our words uh, for what to say. And I guess that's what we're going to try and do now. But uh, we did want to address uh, everything that's gone on. And uh, I think I'll uh, start off by just saying I believe I speak for both of us when I say we are fully in support of the protests that are going on and um, everything that the Black Lives Matter movement has to do with. Yeah, 100%. There's no other side to be on, essentially. No, um social justice shouldn't be uh, a debate really like um it's it's as simple as that um you know there's uh we'll, we'll get into uh, you know some of the stuff that the nhl players have been doing uh, various nhl players and stories that have come out and whatnot but um yeah i mean straight off the off the top uh, if you believe that this that the movement is uh not important or shouldn't be going on uh you should probably just lo- stop listening to this podcast right now um because that's the wrong opinion to have. Uh, there, there's just no other way around it. So um, that being said, uh, I think, again, when Chase and I try and talk about this, we always note that uh, we are two white males that have grown up in a pretty good community. So we are not someone, we are not two people who have much experience dealing with this stuff. And, um, no, you know, for white community. Yes. Um, I think there was, you know, maybe under under 15 people of color who went to our high school yeah like, definitely that would have graduated like in each of our years under 15. yeah yeah um so uh you know for me what's important uh with that is listening to other people's stories and listening to what other people have to say and and why it's important and thinking about why it's important what's going wrong that you know they need to speak out because they don't have another option and i think that's kind of what the last few weeks have been about and i, I think there has been you know, I don't, it, progress comes, uh, it takes a long time for progress to come, obviously. And, um, you know, racism isn't going to be ended overnight. But uh, I think there have been, you know, with the protests, I, I do believe that there's been a a much bigger uh, scope on issues and things of that uh, and things of that nature, just uh, about what's happening to people of color around the world. And, uh, you know, especially in North America and, uh, you know, in the States, but also in Canada, too, um, you know. Black people and also First Natives is a big thing in Canada as well. So uh, I would like to say that I think, you know, again, we support the protests. I think what's happening is good to see. Um, obviously, you don't want, you know, you don't want to cheer uh, businesses being burnt down, um, you know, especially small businesses. But at the same time, uh, people always say, well, that's not the right way to protest. Well, Colin Kaepernick tried protesting by simply putting a knee down during a song that was playing four years ago, and he was kicked out of the league that he was playing in and called a traitor to his country. So if that's not the right way to protest and on the streets marching isn't the right way to protest, uh, what is the right, right way to protest, I guess, would be my question. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think it's gotten better now, but the disconnect at first was about the riots. It's like people don't just riot because they think it's fun. Like it's an act of desperation. Yeah. And that desperation has come from decades and centuries of uh, uh, racism. Uh, there's just no other way to put it. Um, so, you know, it, it's good to see more people speaking out of, about it. And um, I know just personally, like the people that I follow, a lot of the people – 
you know, on Instagram and stuff like that, um, in our personal life, uh, I wouldn't have associated a lot of them with speaking out about social issues, especially when I knew them, you know, back in high school. But there's a lot of people that are still sharing stuff, sharing, uh, not stories, but, you know, sharing, sharing links and ways you can help and, you know, all just all kinds of things. And I think even just something like that is, uh, it's very good to see. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see all sorts of people who you didn't maybe think would speak out speaking out. It's kind of, it's been one of the few positives of this. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I, I wanted to get into just kind of what um, the NHL teams and players uh, said. And, you know, a lot of this is reaching back a couple weeks. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your overall thoughts, I guess, on what the league has done and what the players have done. And, you know, do you think it's enough and um, all that? So I'll start off by saying I am I was pleasantly surprised to see how many players specifically came out. I uh I'll be upfront. I mean, it's fine to see. It's really good when you see a good team statement come out. But at the same time, I really don't care for brands saying, yeah, we don't like racism because it doesn't mean anything unless you actually do it. It's just empty words and them, you know, it's really PR for them at that point. Um, so, but, you know, when when a player comes out and there was a bunch of guys, you know, um, you know, guys like Evander Kane came out and talked about it. And we'll get into him in a second as well. But, you know, uh, Tyler Sagan and Blake Wheeler, uh, uh, there's a few other names, uh, bigger names too, that uh, you know came out, and they just kind of said, "I don't really know uh, what to say here, but I know that uh, what we have going on is wrong." And and I think that is a huge step forward for hockey, even just having I think 15 to 20 players, and you know some bigger big names too, and uh, you know big markets come out and, and just make comments on what is happening and why it's important to listen. Yeah, 100%. And I agree with you. It's good that the teams do put out statements. Obviously, it's not going to do harm that the team says statements, but I believe people do tend to associate themselves with Sidney Crosby, not necessarily the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think it was much better that the players put out statements as opposed, or as well as the teams, or at least a lot more players than usual did put out statements. Exactly. And like my problem with the team statements a lot of times is, again, like, I mean, some of the statements were just horrid. Like, it, it, I'm sorry, it shouldn't take you two weeks to come up with, we're against racism, and that's it. Um, and then other ones were literally like, yeah, we support all lives, and we like, you know, uh, the brave cops that don't see racism. It's like, oh, my, you're just missing the point. Like, yeah, and I know when... Time. Yeah, and when the Penguins made their statement, and, you know, even when Crosby had theirs, uh, a lot of people were linking back that... Um, photo from the blue lives matter night that the pittsburgh penguins hosted i think just a year ago and it's just stuff like that where it's like okay like you can put out a statement but not even a year ago you were doing this so it's like where you know where's the receipts to show that you've actually realized why that is a wrong thing to do yeah exactly and that's the one thing people have been really upset about is a lot of it strikes me as empty words and i completely believe people are justified to feel that way until we see actual like action or at least attempt at it absolutely um and you know i think the nhl they put out uh i didn't even see the video but i they had put out a video with taylor hall i think going to pro like did you see the video the second one yeah the second one not taylor hall sorry tyler Sagan. yeah so the video was basically just tyler Sagan at a protest it was like his in- it was showing it clips from his instagram and then fans being like wow i'm glad to be a tyler Sagan fan yeah, so it was kind of like – it felt like they had the right idea to start with, and then from what I heard, it was just like – and then it turned into a look how much you should like the NHL kind of thing, not a hey, you know, respect black lives. Um, so uh, it's – I'm I'm not going to give the league any credit for that, and I mean at least they deleted it right away, but at the same time, uh, I'd much rather just see you know efforts put in other ways. Yeah, my f- initial reaction – was actually that like like Tyler Sagan being at the protests and putting this stuff out there is a positive so my initial reaction was you know it's probably good to celebrate that but it definitely was tone deaf yeah I don't think it's a negative on Tyler Sagan but I I think it's more a negative on just the way the league tried to spin it as like uh hey you um, know like look at how great we are like you don't want to please like my sport that yeah exactly so um you know and then so i I think the the most probably the most outspoken person 
through all this would be Evander Kane. He uh, went on a radio in America and, you know, a radio, I, I forget which, which station it was, but it was like, it was a big, like news uh, talk sports radio thing. And he went on and pretty much called out. He's like, nothing's going to change, especially in the NHL. If the the big guys in the NHL don't talk, where's Sidney Crosby's statement? Where's Connor McDavid's statement? And I think within like three days, both of them had statements out uh, for sure. Crosby. I, and I think McDavid might've as well, but um, so I, I do give him credit for, you know, saying that. And I know we've talked privately and said, you know, not everyone needs to make a statement. Um, that's, fair if you don't have the right words um you know like for example um ottawa took a lot of heat because they didn't make a statement and you know again could they have sure i think it would have been good but at the same time it's not like ottawa wasn't doing anything they were retweeting guys like anthony Duclair, um who's a person of color on their team anders nielsen i believe they had mark borwecki as well they were retweeting all this different stuff about why it's important to speak up and i would much rather see that than just a bland three-sentence statement from a team saying we don't like racism um yeah like promoting anthony duclair's thoughts on the matter does a lot more than a carefully curated pr statement yes and so that's kind of why when we discussed you know with crosby it's like i don't necessarily think that um People like Crosby have to speak out because you don't have to speak out by any uh, about anything, especially if you're not comfortable. But what I would like to see is, you know, at least see that he's, you know, uh, doing something another way. I don't, I don't, I know Crosby doesn't have Twitter personally. I don't believe he has his Crosby Foundation, which ended up putting out the statement for him. But like, it's just things where like, even if you're, you don't need to actually say stuff in your own words to be able to share what other people are saying much better than you are, right? Um, and, and that's kind of what I'd rather, uh, not rather see, but, you know, if people don't know what to say and they feel that they, they don't know how to speak up or speak out, um, sharing what other people are saying that they agree with, I think, is a, a good way to do that. Yeah, 100%. Although I will say um, the NFL reaction to Patrick Mahomes, like, so for those who don't know, pay much attention to the NFL, a bunch of NFL players essentially went behind the NFL's back with one of their PR guys and made a video where Patrick Mahomes, who's essentially the Connor McDavid of football, explicitly says the words Black Lives Matter. And by the sounds of it, that like flipped a switch and the NFL, who hadn't said anything, was like, we need to say something now. So once I saw the impact Mahomes had, then because McDavid and Crosby have that kind of power in the NHL. It was too bad they weren't, like, at the forefront necessarily. But, yeah, they also – they don't have to put out a statement. But I thought Mahomes was a good analog for how powerful they could have been if they wanted to be. Exactly. And that's kind of the issue, um, you know, with hockey in general. Um, you know, there's more not good stuff about hockey that we are very much going to get to later in this episode. But – uh that kind of thing where it's like nothing's going to change unless the big guys step up, you know. Um, it, it, you need, like, the star big two players in your league. And not just them, obviously. It's got to be everyone else, too. But, like, it can start. Like, so many people respect what uh, Sidney Crosby has to say. And even now, so many people respect what um, Connor McDavid has to say. That if either one of those guys said something, I guarantee you there'd be more people looking into it just within the league itself. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely important uh, to, to, if you have a voice to use it and it, you know, even if you don't, um, you know, speaking up is still fine, but uh, it, it would be definitely nice to see them at least, you know, put out some, not, not just put out a generic statement, but put some thoughts onto it. Or if they can't do that, at least share what other people are saying. Yeah. It's pretty easy to retweet somebody who does have a very nuanced, um, first person account of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't have much more on just that. Uh, obviously, it's an ongoing situation. Um, it's important, I think, to, you know, now that the news has died down on a little bit because it's not burning and rioting anymore, it's pe- a lot of peaceful protests, it's important to remember that these protests are still going on and it's still important to fight for it. Um, it's not a two- or three-week trend where this is going to go away. We This needs to stay and this needs to become a permanent thing um, where, you know, you get proper rights for black people and people of color but um that that's just kind of what i wanted to say wrapping up my thoughts on it anyways yeah i couldn't agree more because you're not going to change people keep saying the word systemic uh racism which of course 
there is systemic racism, but like the word systemic implies that it's the entire, like it's the system as a whole. So it's not going to change in even six months of protesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you have anything else you want to talk about for this? Uh, no, we support Black Lives Matter. Not that we have this massive platform to make the statement, but it's good to say anyways. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, we're going from one bad thing to another bad thing, really. Uh, let's get into the CHL lawsuit news. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday, or we're recording this on Friday, the... 19th of june i'm hoping to have it out this weekend maybe even tonight we'll see how uh busy i am we're we're going to be recording a second podcast i believe today on a much lighter topic that we will be sharing at the end of the episode but um you know so yesterday dan carcillo announced uh on his instagram and then shared it to his twitter that he and i believe the guy's name is garrett taylor if i'm not mistaken another former chl player are launching a lawsuit on the canadian hockey league um a class action lawsuit uh, for uh, abuses suffered while playing in the league. Um, warning, this is very graphic, um, very, very graphic. Uh, we'll, we'll get into what he said and, you know, some of the some of the claims against it and, uh, you know, just where, where this might go. But um, uh, to start, I would say that uh, uh, it's... <sighs> I'm trying to find the words here. Um, the stuff that is involved in the uh, lawsuit are appalling, really. is the It's the only way I can put it is uh, appalling. Yeah, there almost aren't words. Like, it's, it's messed up beyond... I knew hazing existed, and I knew... Like, everyone who's a hockey fan, or at least anyone who cares enough about hockey that they're listening to a podcast, a niche enough podcast like this was aware that stuff was going on. But I assume I am not alone in being surprised at how aggressive and excessive it was. Uh, Absolutely. Um, So I am trying to, yeah. So here's part of the statement um, from uh, the lawsuit. Uh, Said the plenty of Daniel Carcillo suffered through one full year of almost constant repetitive abuse while playing as a rookie for the Sarnia Sting in 2002. He and the other 12 rookies on the team suffered abuse by the older players. Coaches and team officials were aware of the abuse and participated in it. Nothing was done to protect the rookies. Uh, Here's some instances. During showers, rookies were required to sit in the middle of the shower room naked while the older players urinated, spat saliva, and tobacco chew on them. At least once, the head coach walked into the shower room while this was occurring, laughed, and walked out. Uh, on road trips, rookies were stripped naked and sent into the bus bathroom eight at a time. The older players would tape the boys' clothes up in a ball, which were thrown in the bathroom. The boys were not allowed out until dressed, which could take hours. Older players would pour chew saliva and, uh, pour chew saliva and urine on them through the bathroom vents. This took place in front of coaches and trainers. Uh, rookies had to bob for apples in a cooler filled with older players' urine, saliva, and other bodily fluids. And there are about five more that are equally as disgusting. Um, like I, that's elite. This, it's illegal. Uh, you know, uh, like I know, probably nothing. I mean, I don't even know if anything can come out of it because it is um, over a decade old, almost two decades now. But like, this is something that like people should legitimately go to jail for. Um, and I like they would get charged for it if someone caught them doing it now, I think. You would hope so. Like, you couldn't do most of these things in the street without being arrested. Like, yeah. on the spot, and nobody would... Like, nobody's coming to your defense for any of it, really. No. Um, and it's just like... Um, so since it, since Carcillo shared uh, that story, uh, or you know, not that story, uh, made the lawsuit, um, there have been you know some other people who have come out as well and just shared their stories on uh, on Twitter, and he's retweeted some of them. If you want to uh, um, go find them, but uh, it's I don't like I I just I really don't have words other than the whole. Um, hockey culture, but especially junior hockey culture, needs an overhaul. It really does. Oh, yeah. Like, beyond. It's... The worst is the amount of ones where it was, like, the coaches would either 
walking in and laughing or sometimes even being a part of it. Like that was the most ridiculous and just terrible part to me that the coach who would be in theory, because like something that gets lost, I think in the OHL is that the guys are like as young as, especially because this is a hazing, the rookies are like 16 year olds. So I should be able to go to this probably like 45 year old coach as like a father figure. Meanwhile, he's watching people like, sexually assault them and maybe even being there and like joining in on it like that's insane yeah it's nuts and um for those of the people who want to say well this was 2002 a lot has changed since then um just the other day former kitchener rangers player eric guest uh came out on twitter and said how he uh just a couple years ago when he was playing as a 16 year old was locked in a bathroom and forced to do cocaine at 16 years old he was forced to do cocaine uh, there's just no words. There's no words to describe how messed up that is. Yeah, like beyond. I, yeah, I, I don't think you could make a good faith argument that the culture has changed dramatically, even if it's not as bad as it was. Like, yeah, and that pretty much everything I own, this still happens. To yeah, and I mean, just look at the Akeem Aliou stories from, you know, um, from Junior as well. You know, we talked about those in depth as well. Um, and, you know, that was from 2008, 2009-ish, uh, around there, you know, or 2005, 2009. Um, and, uh, you know, the the Eric Guest, I believe he played, you know, literally just a couple years ago. I don't think it was too long ago that he played. No, he his last year was 2018-19, and I think his 2016-17 was his um, – uh, when when that story was he was talking about, he was a rookie. So uh, it's just the whole thing needs an – an overhaul. Um, and you know, uh, we talk about the, um, uh, linking back to black lives matter, not that these are the same, but one of the things that come up with the black lives matter thing and the police brutality stuff is, well, it's just a few bad apples. And one of the things that have come clear lately is that there's a lot of bad apples, not a few bad apples. It's a, it's a rotten tree. I believe I saw on Twitter and that's a good way to describe it. Uh, I feel like you see a lot of the same stuff, um, about hockey culture where, oh, no, this isn't what most of it's like. This is just a few bad apples, a few bad stories that you hear. But a lot of, like, hockey culture is great. It's where you bond, right? But uh, you get stories from all over the place, from minor hockey to the OHL and the NHL, really, um, about what's wrong with it. And I I think there's nothing better to show why it needs an overhaul than that. Yeah, exactly. And even if it was great, it's still only great to straight white men. Yeah, exactly. Um, and only some of them do. Like, it's just, uh, I, I don't really have much to say on it other than how screwed up this is. Yeah, I, I was really taken aback reading this. Not much surprises me on when I'm scrolling through Twitter, but this genuinely did. Yeah, just how, like, like graphic and just <laughs> screwed up it was. Like, it's just, I, I can't. I was reading and I just could not believe what I was reading that, you know, as a human being, you could do that to another human being. Yeah, exactly. Like there was, there's some of them in there where it was like, they forced them to wear women's clothes to a party. And I was like, that's exactly what I expected hazing to be. But then there was literally just full on sexually assaulting their teammates. And that was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Their teammates who are minors, you know, like, I mean, not that sexually assaulting anyone is okay, but like, Imagine being a 16-year-old, moving away from home. You're in a billet house, very likely. Um, you know, you're with a bunch of, you know, 8, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, and anyone you could look up to uh, is the one, the people are that are abusing you. Um, I just, I, I can't even imagine being in that situation. Yeah, exactly. And like I said a little bit earlier, I think it often gets lost how young, like, minor, like, Canadian major junior players are. Yeah. It's even yep. worse. Yep. Um, like this is their developing years, and that's what they're doing or being forced to do. Yep. Um, so obviously our thoughts go out with uh, to all the victims uh, and anyone this has happened to. Um, but, you know, again, this is something that uh, definitely needs change, I think, as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't really – I don't have much more to say on that. Um, yeah, it's another issue where, like, you can pretty much only be on one side of it. Yeah, and like if you're on the other side at all, you're just 
wrong very so wrong like that's as simple as that yeah exactly um so yeah uh there's more that we have to tie this is a very down episode um i apologize for that but you know that's just kind of we want to go over all the news and and this is all the news we have um so want to go to the news that just happened today i guess yeah that'd be the next step um so uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, it was reported that multiple players and team members have been um, infected with COVID-19, and they are shutting down their facility for the time being. Uh, this comes during Phase 2, which had, I think, five five players skating at the same time. Um, it, it's... And then uh, we'll get to the other player, the specific player that was named, but uh, it's something that I think people are kind of realizing, oh, crap, this might be way harder to do than we thought it might be um, when they're not even technically together. And I don't I think we're up to 11 confirmed cases from the Lightning. So and this isn't even like they're playing together and they're not supposed to be within six feet of each other right now. Um, I think it was a big eye opener today for some people that, you know, realized maybe it's going to be maybe harder to get back uh, hockey and any really big four sport than we uh, more harder than we thought anyways. Yeah. Like some people like to imagine professional athletes are sort of like a class above other humans. So I guess if that's the mentality you took, you might and didn't think too critically, like you could say maybe all this was going to go smoothly. But like if you thought critically enough about this whole thing, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah, um, I, I think people probably didn't realize this early uh, would be the thing. Um, I, the one thing I think that um, uh, it's – I, I don't want to say it's a good learning experience, but it's probably a good thing that this happened now as long as obviously you hope everyone's okay and uh, recovering and everything like that. Um, but if this happened, say, in round two of the NHL playoffs, uh, like what do you do? God, I, I have no idea. What? Yeah, like, like um, we don't know the names of the, the Lightning players that have been infected, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Like, 12 people or 11 people is a lot, even if, like, six of them are players. Imagine it was, like, Vasilevsky, Hedman, um, and then just even three or four third or fourth line players. Like, that's a big deal. That's a big chunk of the team that would be missing for two weeks and maybe more. And you don't know if the other guys are infected either. Like, Yeah, 100%. And then you've got some people saying they feel less sympathy for the players going back to work because they make $8 million, which is an argument we don't – or however much money the players make per player, which is an argument we don't need to get into. But then there's staff members who have to be there that definitely don't make generational wealth kind of money. And, like, what do they do too? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, there's people putting themselves at risk who aren't making millions of dollars. I mean, hell, you even look at um, the referees. Like, uh, referees get paid a a good amount for what they do, um, but it's nowhere near generational wealth. It's not, I never have to work again wealth. Um, I mean, if you retire when you're like 55, 60, it is, I guess, but... Uh, you know, like it's, it's people like that too, where it's like, and then even lower, you know, there, there's probably interns and stuff like that, not interns, but you know, people working, um, jobs that are just an average wage that, you know, they have to put themselves at risk as well. Anyone, uh, working around the arena, like guys cleaning the ice and stuff, um, you know, like, like, yeah, exactly. It's all sorts of stuff like that. So it's kind of like, what do you do if there's a huge outbreak and people like that get infected? And, and, you know, how can you be comfortable knowing um, that you're risking that? Yeah, I I don't know. There's going to be a lot of prize for canceling the season, I think, after this. Yeah, I mean, I've already seen on Twitter a bunch of people just saying just cancel the season already. Um, I would say... Uh, this happening in Tampa is the least shocking thing I have seen in a long time. Um, I, there, I wanted to get to the, the hub city thing. I, I think it's incredibly stupid to put out in a hub city pretty much anywhere in the States right now. Um, they're getting worse. They're, they're, like Florida had over 3,500 new cases today. Florida set a daily high three of the past four days as we're recording this. 
yeah. Um, and like Arizona's horrible too. Um, we'll get to that news in a second. Uh, I believe Cali's going up again. Texas is up on a huge, um, spike. Uh, you know, it's just like, I just don't see how you can be comfortable putting, uh, hockey into any of the big states in, in the U S right now. Yeah. And worse yet, this is like, an extremely difficult forecasting problem because it's exponential. So like what we see right now, it's like six weeks from now, things could look way different. Like New York was like the epicenter for the world at six weeks ago. And now it's like Arizona. It's like one of the only States that's declining. Maybe say that's declining. So how the hell do you know where it's going to be in six, six weeks? Yeah, exactly. Especially if, you know, the the restrictions are so loose as they are in so many states. And so I just pulled up the CNN thing. For the second consecutive day, Florida announced a record number of new coronavirus cases, adding almost 4,000 reports for a total approaching 90K. Um, and and they're not even considered the hot hotbed right now in the states. So it's, it's just tough to... It, it, it's tough to, you know, see. And, and it's one of those things where it's like... Uh, they're still not locking down like they're still open and i just don't get how like i really don't understand and you know we you, you saw the pictures from a couple weeks ago of like the huge party in the ozarks or whatever or wherever that was and it's just like but then a day later people are like wow see we haven't seen the influx we thought we might see from that it's like wow it's almost because it takes a week to two weeks to show up and now it's showing up in droves so yeah, exactly. I've seen this opinion a little more now, but people keep calling it like a second wave. There was no end to the first one. In the no. State. Yeah, I mean, and that's for sure. But I, I think like people call it the second wave because in some places it's declined. Like I know if, say, Toronto or Canada in general has a big uh, new outbreak, I would call that a second wave because here in Ontario, um, you know, in Canada in general, where our numbers have been declining slowly, but they've been declining, and lately they've been really good. Like, I think it's in Ontario, I think it's under 200 new cases for almost the entire past week. Yeah, our our, our, our not has been below one for a little while now. I was talking about the state specifically. Yeah, so, but, like, I, yeah, I just mean, like, I think, like, I would call it a second wave here, but I, I guess people just kind of have that in their head in the States, too, but, you know, yeah, that's not really that true, but, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, um, so, obviously, hockey's not going to Arizona or Florida, but imagine being an NBA player right now, and I know they're going to be in a bubble or whatever in Disney, but, like, I don't think I'd be comfortable going down to Florida right now. No, I would be a little terrified, because you, be, like, I... What was it? Let's say it was 50 people NHL teams are going to bring with them, right? Yeah. So let's assume it's the same number for the NBA. Like, that means you have to have faith in, like, thousand, like, a, like a thousand people not breaking quarantine in a place, like, one of the most biggest hotbeds in the world for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, it's so... Just, I, I, I'm really struggling to find the word, words about just like how risky it is. And um, so I just pulled up Nevada's numbers because I wanted to see um, what it's looking like. And they're at least closer to the entire province of Ontario. Uh, like they had 410 new today. They're, they spiked up. They had 184 yesterday, 379 the day before, 106 the, the time before that. Um, it's also, they had a day in April 17th where they had 2,300 new cases which seems insane because they haven't been anywhere close over 300 the rest. But it, it's just one of those things where it's like, um, you know, in Nevada, it's not quite as bad, but like even just there, like I just, I don't think I trust how the States is handling it to be comfortable as an NHL player to be going to a American hub city. And, and I say that knowing like Canada is not um, perfect by any means. We're not even close, but like, I just feel like the way we're handling it is 10 times better. Yeah, like, it, obviously, I don't believe Canada's perfect either, but I know what, like, I'm happy to be here, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that, and we'll keep talking about it as it develops. But uh, the other big news, and this is maybe going to start uh, sending people into a bit more of a frenzy, uh, Steve Simmons reported today that uh, Austin Matthews is a player who 
has COVID-19. He was tested positive, apparently. Now, that hasn't been, from what I've seen, that hasn't been confirmed by anyone else. Um, so I want to get into a few things. But uh, firstly, I wanted to say uh, that is probably the biggest name we've heard, definitely for hockey and one of the biggest names, I think, in all of sports uh, right now. By far for hockey, and between him and Ezekiel Elliott would be the only other name. Well, obviously Ezekiel Elliott's bigger because he plays football, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like uh, Rudy Gobert or whatever is probably technically bigger, but just like like Austin Matthews is probably one of the top what like ten most recognizable players in his sport, and I get his sport is the fourth smallest in um, the states, but still, like that is a significant thing. Yeah, it's a huge name, and it's, I think, putting faces to the name is, or, like, so, remember at the start when a couple senators had it? Yep. And we never found out who, at least I don't believe. No, there was rumors, but we never really found out. Yeah, so I think the story that a Toronto Maple Leaf has it would not do nearly as much as Austin Matthews. Once you put that face to it, I think it'll, the reality will really set in. For sure. And I think when you look back at the beginning of COVID, too, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people really weren't taking that serious until, you know, like Tom Hanks got it. And, you know, the celebrities of that level and people are like, holy crap, if these people can get it, we can get it, too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's p- putting a face to it is is very much yeah. a serious. Or exactly. So all people. The one thing I did want to talk about with this Matthews thing, um, if this is true, um, obviously we wish him a speedy recovery, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were on his name actually being reported by someone. Um, Steve Simmons, pretty much, like, do you think it was uh, across the line for Steve Simmons to uh, report on this, name drop him without his permission by the looks of it? Yeah, so in maybe, like, the most, like, just weird timing i was like i said it into a group chat with you and then probably eight or nine of our other friends was like i'm surprised with how much they've like the reporters have respected the players anonymities like and like privacy with because names have not been getting out generally and then two hours later steve simmons drops austin matthews has COVID 19 and i think it's i don't think you should be saying that no i i don't think so either i mean if Matthews um, comes out and says, yes, it's okay for you to run with this story, uh, I think that uh, is definitely different. But, like, like just coming out and saying – so his thing was post-media exclusive, Austin Matthews has tested positive for COVID-19, my breaking story. Uh, this just screams someone, you know, wanting to get the best hits and get there first before actually, you know – respecting people's privacy. And that's, you know, I like it was the same thing um, – in football, Ezekiel Elliott was kind of like his agent confirmed it because people were asking him about it. But then Elliott came out and was kind of like, "How the hell did this get out? You know, we have a really big problem with whoever actually leaked this." And then he, I think he was to the insider that leaked it too. He was kind of getting mad there as well. But like, it's just one of the things where I understand. Like, I get they're um, professional athletes and people want to know everything about their lives. But I mean, we don't have a right to know about that stuff if they don't want us knowing about it. Yeah, like the word exclusive and then like my latest don't really belong beside people's health information, save for very specific and niche circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Especially like as serious as this. So like, I don't know. I I wouldn't expect much less from Steve Simmons of all people, but like this is the guy who just brought up a hot dog or who made up a hot dog eating story about a Phil, uh, one Phil Kessel a couple years back. So, um, but I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm, I really want to see if a second source confirms it, but um, that's the latest we have on that. Um, and I don't know if we need to talk about uh, too much more on that either. Yeah, no, and like, like maybe there was something about Matthews giving his permission in the article i don't know i refuse to give steve simmons clicks or engagements on twitter so i don't really touch that uh, yeah i saw people posting screenshots of it and uh so freddie anderson was living with him too and i guess freddie tested positive and then dipped and left to california where his home is huh. um so yeah uh so we'll see about that i hope he's still quarantining even if he t- tested positive but we will uh we'll see but uh yeah we'll, we'll See what happens, I guess. Um, we got two or three more things to talk about here. Um, 
let's talk about this one really quick because I don't really need to get into it too much. But uh, the Ottawa Senators and the Senators Foundation are splitting ways. Um, this is a bit of a messy story, but uh, pretty much the the Senators Foundation, which is their charity that uh, they work with, it, it's not actually the Ottawa Senators founded, but they've been working together for 22 years, and they were obviously allowed to use the Senators name and logo. Uh, put out a statement saying that you know they're parting ways, uh, or they plan on parting ways. I believe their contract is done July 22nd. I believe is the date. Um, so they technically have uh, parts to work out a new deal, but uh, the rumor pretty much was that. Um, Melnick was taking too much control, uh, giving to charities that, or, you know, telling them what charities they wanted to uh, donate to, um, you know, especially ones with organ donation, because obviously Melnick got an organ to save his life a couple years back. And not that those are bad charities, but it was just the foundation wanted to do its own thing, which is fair enough. And then there was also another wild story about how um, Melnick uh, hosted a charity in which 0.5% of the money raised actually went to the charity that he was donating to. Now, I think that was since corrected that it was a little more than that, but I mean, I still don't think it was too much, that's for sure. I believe it was like a million dollars or something were raised, and the original story was that he donated 5000 and he actually donated twenty. Yeah, so like it's still a pathetic amount. Um, yeah. So uh, it's... It's one of those things where I really don't want to talk about it, but, like, I, I feel like we have to say something, but, like, I, I just don't know what to say, like. Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning, because, it, it, like, it is big hockey news, I guess, but it's just, like, it's just terrible from Eugene Melnick, which is the norm. Yeah. And, and, you know, apparently Ottawa wants to, you know, the Senators want to start their own foundation now, so we'll see if that happens once if this actually disbands. But uh, what I will say is that, uh, you know, I, I like the work that the Sens Foundation, uh, you know, does. I think their their big thing, I believe, in Ottawa was trying to help, um, I believe it was just uh, un, underprivileged kids uh, be able to play hockey, and I think that's a pretty, pretty solid uh, thing to, to look after. But they did all kinds of stuff, too, and, you know, they did – all times 50-50 and stuff like that. So um, if they are departing, it will be uh, definitely sad to see them go. Um, but, you know, they're not just uh, disbanding. They're going to – if they do depart from Ottawa, uh, the Senators, they're going to uh, make their own um, charity or, you know, make their own name and keep going as charity. What what was funny, um, in, I believe, 24 hours on Sen's Twitter, uh, started by the 6th Sen, I believe it was, Ottawa, uh, not Ottawa Twitter, but Twitter raised over $20,000 for uh, organ donation research. Yeah, that was awesome. It was nice to see a positive come out of the story. Yep, um, it was really cool, um, you know, and it was, uh, Leafs Twitter came together with it, uh, um, you know, Ottawa... Ottawa's Twitter obviously did too, um, so that was really cool to see. Um, and you know, the running joke was that they raised more for the same cause in um, whatever amount. Of, I think it was 24 hours, pretty much. Uh, then uh, Melnick donated from his actual million-dollar charity. So yeah, it's just um, yeah. But other than that, I don't really have anything to say on the charity thing. I don't know if you do, but no, it was a it made just a story that make Melnick look like an idiot essentially. Which I'm always here for. I am 1,000% here for. All right. Um, so our probably last big topic of the day uh, is moving on to the Buffalo Sabres, who cleaned house uh, uh, the other day. Um, this is tough to say. Um, uh, there's 21 people, I believe, who were fired in total. Um, the GM, Jason Botterill, along with the assistant GMs, um, the AHL head coach, the player development coaches, uh, scouts, multiple scouts. Um, the the pool is cleaned house. And um, I have a couple thoughts on, obviously we're getting the hockey side of things, but how cowardly this was. Um, so the, the Pagoulas hosted a press conference on that day and didn't mention anything. And then three hours later, they uh, canned half their hockey ops team. And... Not only that, but they didn't have the balls to do it themselves. They made the new GM who they promoted from within, and I, I'm blanking on his name, but they made the new GM who they promoted from within do the firings. So his first job as a new GM was to go and tell about 20 people that they were fired and no longer had a job during a freaking pandemic. Yeah, what a way to start, eh? Yeah, like, it's just... Uh, Kevin Adams is the uh, new GM's name, by the way. Um, 
but it's just like it's one of those things where it's like I just find it so cowardly. And so Elliot Friedman was, I believe he's on 31 Thoughts talking about it, but it was like, uh, he said the thing that pisses him off or rubs him the wrong way is, sure, it's not a big deal right now for people like Jason Botterill. Jason Botterill's making millions of dollars or a million dollars, whatever it was, and had a guaranteed contract for the next two years. So he'll be, he'll be paid out for the next two years, right? Like, it, that's not a big deal. But um, one of the skills development coaches has already came out and mentioned that um, – you know, they were worried because I, th- I believe they said they had a special needs kid. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to be worried about how they have to live paycheck to paycheck and figure out what their finances are going to be now that they don't have a job. Um, especially after um, the, the, he said the big thing was um, it wasn't Jason Bot- – the, the, the security of Jason Botterill's job, um, it was that secure – that made other people feel secure too. So he said, you know, that the Bellman coach and I believe the AHL head coach – had verbal agreements in place with Botterill for two or three year extensions, but the Gula stepped in and wouldn't let him sign it, and that's why. And now they're not going to honor it. So, it, it's just stuff like that where it's like I get it's a business, but also like don't be that cowardly. Yeah, and they weren't. It took. I don't know if they actually are, but I know they were getting blasted because they weren't paying people at the start of the COVID nineteen, like the outbreaks and everything like there's just been nothing but horrific pr for the buffalo sabers and the pagoulas yep and the, the fan base is starting to uh turn on them and uh it's fair like it's valid i think um you know they haven't done crap since they showed up uh, you know they they tossed a bunch of money around and uh, one of the things you know bob mckenzie was on uh um TSN 1050 radio the other day and he was saying well he on the said, I understand where they're coming from they tossed a bunch of money around and that's not working so now they're going for a more uh, now they're losing money so they're going for a lesser money approach it's not that it's their fault that they tossed so much money around they they gave it to people who you know obviously didn't make good decisions with it and you know when they came in they signed guys like Christian Ehrhoff to mega deals so like that's on them I don't feel bad for them for that no not at all you like it's not okay that you lay off some guy who has a special needs child and needs a job right now because you signed Kyle Ocpozo to a mega deal when it's clearly not going to go well. Yeah, exactly. So it's <laughs> like, like, I don't feel bad for that, but like, I don't know. Like, I think from a hockey standpoint, I, I said this a couple weeks ago when Jason Botterill got a vote of confidence from the owners. And then I guess when the draft got delayed, they decided that uh, there was too much difference between the, the sides. So they split up. Um, I said a couple weeks ago that I liked most of Jason Botterill's moves last offseason. I thought they were pretty good, but it's also pretty clear that this team is pretty far away from um, being the contender they thought they might have been two or three years ago already by now. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, um, trades aren't, or, like, GM's moves aren't linear. Like, he made a whole bunch of great moves, but none of them come close to making up for how bad one Ryan O'Reilly trade is. Yep, or the Skinner contract. Like, I think we both kind of said that's way too much money from day one. And, like, I, I, I get that you maybe didn't have too much of an option with that. But at the same time, like, you just can't sign that big of a contract when it's obvious regression was due. Yeah, exactly. Like, we like to call a Miller trade and stuff. And, like, they went from having maybe the worst defense in the league by a decent chunk to having at, at least a palatable blue line. Or at least it looked like it was going to be that way before Deline slumped. Like... It's not like he was all bad, but if he was running my hockey team, I can't say I'd be crying as he gets kicked out the door. No, definitely not. Um, but, you know, in Buffalo, I think this is now their third third or fourth fourth GM, and, like, I, the, the coach is still staying there. But I think they've gone through three GMs and six coaches in, like, eight or nine years or something like that, which is just absurd. Yeah, like, they're just burning through executives. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that they definitely uh, – the good thing for them, in theory at least, is they have two of the hardest things to find, an elite centerman and at least a promising young defenseman. I'm not going to call Deline elite uh, by any means yet, um, but I think his first year he was really good, and even this past year he definitely slumped, but I think by the end of the year he was kind of stepping it back up again where it's like, okay, he's definitely not – this god awful defenseman. Maybe he was just a twenty or a nineteen year old still getting adjusted to the uh, the major leagues, you know? Yeah, and that could happen. He's he's young enough that even if he sucked the entire year, it still wouldn't be time to write him off or anything like that. 
Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think for Buffalo, it's good news that you have two of the hardest pieces to find. But the bad news is you have so much around that, you know, like, that you need to fix. I actually find this kind of funny and a little confusing. So, the Pagulas have, like, the Buffalo Sabres fans, from what I understand, hate the Pagulas, really did not like Jason Botterill. And then on the flip side, the Buffalo Bills, the smartest people, at least, or the smart people I follow who talk about football seem to be convinced that they're run quite well. They just don't have the hardest thing to find, which is a quarterback, and they have everything else. Meanwhile, the Sabres are a train wreck, but they have the absolute hardest thing to find, which is the franchise center. Yeah, and I think that's what people were kind of talking about, too, that they see. Uh, what's the uh, – is it Brandon Bean? Is that the – Bills GM? I have no idea. I believe. Football manager. Yeah, he's the GM. Yeah, so yeah, Brandon Bean, he's supposed to be like a really smart guy, I guess, in, you know, football circles and, you know, use analytics and stuff like that. And I guess that's kind of what people are, th- like, I, I have no idea about the new guy they just hired or promoted, but, you know, Bob McKenzie was saying that he thinks that um, the Pagulas see um, him and, you know, the, the new style they want to go with with the Sabres as something of how the Bills have been working out. And I think that's a reasonable enough logic to use, seeing that the Bills have been, you know, success, successful in the past three years, uh, especially relative because, you know, the Bills were a laughing stock for years on end as well. And, you know, now, again, they're looking like a promising enough young team and, you know, without a QB. But still, like, it, they're in a much better position than the Sabres are right now, that's for sure. Yeah, like, they're at very least, I'm pretty sure, last I checked, the betting market's favorite to win their division which yeah. the Sabres have not been and will not be for a very long time. Yeah, and obviously there's only four teams in a, in a football division, but, like, still, it, it's uh, – yeah, they, they're definitely a team. I mean, they've made the playoffs last year, and playoffs are way harder to make in football. And, like, I don't know, I think they should be probably competing somewhere near it this year too. I, I don't know if they'll necessarily make it, but, uh, you know, that's a, a whole other thing to talk about itself. But, yeah, like, I, you just kind of look it through the, um, the roster for the Sabres here, and it's like – you got Eichel, great. Skinner, fine, but, you know, a high price tag, but, you know, whatever, fine player. He should probably, I would assume, regress a little ways back, you know, into the middle. He's not a 40-goal guy, I don't think, but I don't think he's a 14-goal guy either, right? Like, he's probably yeah. 25, 30-ish. Yeah, when he scores 28 goals next year, nobody's really going to blink. No. Um, Kyle Ocpozo, when that's your third highest paid for, that's probably not a great thing. Um, in this case, anyways. Uh, Wayne Simmons, Marcus Johansson, Michael Froelich, Sam Reinhardt. I like Sam Reinhardt a lot, but um, Jimmy Vesey, Zemgus Gurgensen, Johan Larson, Dominic Cahoon, uh, Victor Olsen, and Curtis Lazar. Like, that's not a very—there's some fine players in there, but that's not a good forward core by any means. No, not even close. They have, like— Include like they have two desirable players up front essentially. Yeah, not counting Skinner because of the contract. Yeah, uh, I mean they have two desirable players and then like a guy in Victor Olsen where you oh. might have like a decent NHLer in him at 24 yeah. years old. But even him, he's going to regress I think next year and you know so like uh, I, I don't know like I just they're it, it's kind of like at least they're in the position of like where Edmonton is in how we always say like. They have the easiest thing to find, and that that should be depth wingers. But at the same time, like I feel like they have even less talent up front than Edmonton does. Yeah, as much as I like Sam Reinhardt, he's probably closer to R and H than Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, and obviously McDavid is much better than Eichel, you know. And that's not a knock on Eichel; it's just he's not the best player in the league. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and then you have yeah, I would say their second yeah, if you go second best player, Reinhardt versus uh, Drysidle. Drysidle takes the cake on that one, and then RNH versus Skinner or Olafson. I RNH is winning that in my books, I think probably as well. Yeah, like there's they they have no depth, and they don't like you would need ridiculous top end talent to make up for this team's lack of depth. And yeah. even though Jack Eichel's one of the very best players in the league, like you would need more. You'd need, like, yeah. two Jack Eichels, three Jack Eichels to make up for how bad everyone else is on this team. And their drafting has been so terrible lately that it's not like they have just, like, unreal prospects in their system either. You know, they have Dylan Dylan Cousins, who's, you know, or Cousins. He's pretty good. Um, they better hope he's a hit. Yeah. Um, you know, Casey Middlestat's in the AHL. I, I, at this point, like, I don't know. 
maybe he'll still be an NHL player of some kind, but he's definitely, I don't, I'd be shocked if he's that 2C that everyone projected him to be last year when he came in. He was going to seamlessly replace Ryan O'Reilly, remember that? Yeah, exactly. Um, they do have a really good goaltending prospect, I believe. Uh, Uka Pekka Lukanen, I believe is how you say his name. I don't um, know if that's how you say it, but he is a very highly touted goalie prospect. He, yes. Um, yeah, he's like one of the best goalie prospects out there, according to multiple people. So, like, that's an, that's hopeful at least, but, like, you you just need so much more too, right? Like, Yeah, like, and they had, like, they have one good defensive piece or with some hope outside of Dallin, but looks like Lawrence Pilot, Pilot went to the KHL already. Yeah. Right, yeah, he went to Russia. There was some news that we missed, too, is they let him go to Russia, and apparently, you know, reports came out, they said that he said he was going to do it, and Buffalo called his bluff, and then he actually went and did it, and they were surprised that he actually went over and moved. <laughs> so, like, I just, I don't, like, I guess that's almost a fireable offense if you're Jason Botterill. Like, you have one of your few good defensemen, young defensemen, too, and you just let him walk like that, but... Yeah, it's going to take a lot to fix Buffalo, but, you know, it, it's not impossible by any means. Um, and, you know, maybe they get draft lucky again this year and get a top three pick somewhere. But, you know, it's going to be tough, that's for sure. They really have to hit on a couple picks this year if they want uh, any chance of turning things around soon. Yeah, what would scare me is they talked about how they're not rebuilding. And they bought at the deadline, so if that's the kind of mentality they take into next year, I would be just terrified as a Sabres fan. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But like, I don't know. Like, it feels like one of those teams where, it's, you know, like how LA was like, "Oh no, we're not rebuilding, we're not rebuilding," and then they were just so bad they had to rebuild. Yeah, that's kind of what this seems like it's going to be. So as long as you don't go throw like millions of dollars at just needless people this off season, which, given the pandemic situation, I don't see happening like crazy. But you never know. But then yeah, I think they'll be fine. They just massively cut costs too. Yeah, exactly. So I can't really see them going and chasing like a Petrangelo or even someone of a lesser tier and giving them big money. So yeah, hopefully not for Sabres fans' sakes. I, as a Leafs fan, I would really like like they're such a natural rival for the Leafs with the whole Eichel versus Matthews thing going too. It's it's kind of too bad that they've been so terrible and don't look to be good anytime soon. Yeah, because I mean, even their games against the Leafs lately have been fun and. You know, one of, if not both of the teams have sucked every time they've played. So, but yeah. even those games, like, get heated, so. Yeah, I, I hope they are, like, primetime TV games one day. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on that. Um, the last thing we can get into real quick, I don't have much to say on it. Uh, Ryan Reeves signed a, I believe, a one-year contract extension, or two years, I believe, with an average annual value of $1.75 million dollars. Uh, that's a full million off of what he is currently making, and it's a two-year deal. Um, did you have any thoughts on this? I, I was more confused how he was ever making a million dollars more than that to begin with. But uh, I believe that would be called the Pittsburgh Penguins, my good friend. Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, a first-round pick and a nice $5.5 million contract with, for two years would put you there. That I does believe it. There. Actually, oh no! Actually, no. It was Vegas who signed it to him, June June thirtieth, twenty eighteen. Did they give up a first round pick for him though? Vegas did. Pittsburgh did uh, in the off season of twenty seventeen because they won the cup and still thought that Tom Wilson was an issue. Yeah. They won yeah. the cup for back to back years, I should say. And then they gave up the Clem Costins pick for him, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, they turned around that year, realized it wasn't working out, and. They uh, were – Vegas was going to get a draft pick, I believe, uh, because it was the three-way deal between Ottawa, Vegas, and Pittsburgh because Broussard was going to Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh needed to make the salary work. Um, and then Vegas said, no, we'll take Ryan Reeves, and I think they got a lesser draft pick because of it, and they were fine with that. Um, for what it's worth, I don't know. Like, I, I probably wouldn't be spending $1.75 million on Ryan Reeves, but it's not like – it's not going to kill you. Yeah, it's one of those contracts that's, like, too low of value to be actively terrible, but I definitely would not have signed it. No, I feel like, like, I don't know, he's probably, there's definitely worse players that have gotten more money than that, um, but I, that also shouldn't be the bar you're trying to clear when signing a contract, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, exactly. I guess if you're signing like a character slash leadership contract, giving him 1.75 is better than signing like the next Lucic deal or something. But again, that's still not a real justification. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he seems like a good enough guy. His numbers aren't like horrible. He's just like kind of an average fourth liner. So like, again, you can kind of argue if, uh, you know, that's the kind of money you should be giving to an average fourth liner. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those deals that I thought we'd bring up, but uh, definitely an interesting one. And I heard a bunch of people talking. They're like, yeah, so he's making a million less than his last contract. Are we seeing the early implications of a, a lesser salary cap thanks to COVID? I was like, no, we're seeing implications of a bad player getting less money than he originally got. Yeah, money he sh- – well, like, good for him for getting the money, but he, I, I definitely wouldn't have paid him $2.7 million to begin with. So. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to say other than that. Uh, do you? Uh, nope. All right, well, I guess this is a good time to plug what we will be dropping in a couple days, hopefully. Uh, tonight, Chase and I are going to record a draft that we watched PFF do with football. Um, so pretty much it's you start from scratch with teams and you draft um, players. Uh, you have five years to win a cup, so it's the player you would most want on your team to help you win a cup uh, is basically the premise of it. So we'll have a spreadsheet going for that. Uh, we'll have our picks. We'll tweet our picks out and everything, and you know we'll link a live spread uh, a spreadsheet to it as well, so you can see the full rounds of picks. So uh, we're gonna do that tonight and hopefully get it out a couple days after whenever this comes out. So we're super excited about that, and uh, that'll definitely be a lighter uh, episode than uh, the one we just recorded. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. This is like yep, the me too. segment idea I think I've had. Yeah, <laughs> one of them, but yeah, I'm really excited. It should be fun. Um, so I hope you guys all tune in. I hope you everyone uh, enjoyed this episode uh, or, you know, uh, took something, anything from it. Uh, I, again, I just want to reiterate, it's important to speak up. If you see something wrong, speak up. Um, and other than that, you can find me on Twitter and NHL Sends and stuff. You can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find both of our work at lastwordonhockey.com. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. 